Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Welcome to the H2O Podcast. Shocked, shocked. I'm sure you're shocked to hear we may be having some technical difficulties. I know it's no so rarely ever happens. Okay. I am Timothy okay. Harvey. And as always, when we're doing the H2O Podcast, I'm joined by Mr. Jason Hunt who is checking the box. So he may not hop in here to introduce himself until he's done checking the box. It's a new cable box. It's supposed to be cooperating and doing all the fun things, but we know how that goes, don't we folks? I'm sure you all do. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and it's always, it's always when we start a show, you know, it's, you well, know, that does I, make sense, actually, because, you know, when you're not doing a show, it's... I know, but not it, it's not... Sending signals out to other places, right? The YouTube and yeah, using Odyssey and all that stuff. So. I know, I know. I I have a feeling that this box is not going to last this week. The brand new box, by the well, way. No. Two weeks. Two hey, weeks. Look, this stuff is mass-produced. I mean, the fact is... And they said, no, this is the top of the line one that we've got. Okay, fine, whatever. But yeah. I get audio oh. pops and crackles off of this in, in all my in all my Zoom calls. And, and, and the internet, it keeps dropping internet. I got another warning here. I got a red light everywhere. I don't know. I, the, the, lights, the lights on the modem and the router are all what they're supposed to be. So we'll see. Facebook just went dark. <laughs> so... <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. It hey, it may it may very well be the top of the line, brand new shiny box with a broken part inside. That's what happens? I mean, these are, you know, I mean they're they have they don't have a whole lot of moving parts, but they have a lot of tiny little electronic parts. Yeah, and those turn out to be actually fairly fragile. Well, so. we'll see. We'll see what we can see. I might end up having to upload the. Uh, we might have to upload the, um, recording, the backup afterwards. So yeah, we're going to say that it's stuttering. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm watching our feed through, through YouTube and, and it's moments of smoothness and then a lot of jerky kind of movement. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a feeling that it's. I think maybe I know. Uh, Stops is already thirty seconds behind. Um, I'm I've been more than thirty seconds behind most of my life. So right, okay. I don't know. Well, we'll we'll see if we can get through this. I don't know. Facebook has come back, but it's stuttering as well. I didn't. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I, I, you I know, have... we're early enough in the show that I suppose we could basically. Just stop and call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. That's it. Good night, folks. Uh, start a new call um, and and jump back in through here. I mean, well, what we could do is we could do it short because I have a feeling I know what's going on. We have a we have a guest, and I have a feeling that she's on her Xbox, and that's probably what's doing it. So, um. Uh-huh. Because we only have limited resources. Yeah, Facebook went dark again. Let me, uh, you vamp. 
I'll vamp. I'll talk a little and, about the show. What, what we got in mind here? Yeah, you, go. you do that. <clears throat> so, um, while I am moving around like a 1980s low-budget music video, um, I've always wanted to be Max Headroom. Um, yeah, so <laughs> greatest show ever, best ever seen. <laughs> yes, we're uh, uh, yeah. So we have, we have some kinds of fun questions in the chat here. Has the fun started yet? Has the fun ever actually started here? And uh, I promised it was the best show ever. Yes, well, you know, it is the best show ever. We always provide the best show ever. Um, I'm not sure what you're rating us against, but uh, yeah. So assuming that you guys can see and hear me at this point, it's hard to tell. Um, the topic of today's show is the casting choices that we didn't think were going to work. Um, and there are, yes, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing my best to do my best, Max Headroom. Um, it's one of the greatest unsung science fiction TV series that everyone forgets was actually a TV show. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, everyone remembers the famous, you know, ad campaigns. But, um, so, yeah, the, we, we, there are so many different iconic parts that we come to think as these are the, they, this actor was great in this role without necessarily realizing or not remembering in some cases that they were not popular choices at the time. People were very, very upset. We talked about some of the obvious ones before. Of course, we'll be everyone excited about Michael Keaton being back as Batman. But again, remember that when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman, fans were livid. Yes. There was just so, I mean, people were like, Mr. Mom, how can, and, and who, do you, if you've not seen Mr. Mom or remember Mr. Mom, it was a big movie at the time. <laughs> and so the idea that you would get, um, you know, like a comedian, a guy, he, the guy has comedy. He doesn't even look like Batman. How could he be Batman? I mean, people, there was, and this was pre-internet days, folks. This was pre-instant gratification, instant rage, instant, uh, you know, deep woundingness to your childhood hopes and dreams this was you know this was letter writing campaigns yeah this was this was these are people at conventions vocally sitting and going this is going to be a disaster um and yet um it you know for for a great many people batman you know that batman 1989 was a defining moment for like so many people with Christopher Reeves being the defining their def, the definitive Superman for a generation, if not more, Michael Keaton was their definitive Batman. And especially when you put it up against the fact that there were two films that followed his run with different actors playing the part, just so you could you could easily sit there and go, Oh, well, we've got we've got Michael Keaton and then we've got oh we got Val Kilmer we can compare him against. Well, Val Kilmer's okay. He looks the part. Yeah. But it, it's just, it's, uh, yeah. And then, of course, George Clooney comes in and, and he's still apologizing for uh, <laughs> ruining, ruining the character uh, after all these years. The man, the, man, the success of, uh, that George Clooney has had in his career, and yet every time Batman comes out, he's like, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and we talked about that a little bit today on Bunker because the, the VFX studios are complaining about the crunch from marvel man you know marvel being the worst client that they've ever had type of thing and yeah talking about thor love and thunder and, and a lot of comparisons now are being made between 
Batman Forever and Batman and Robin in terms of the tone, you know, as far as Ragnarok mm-hmm. versus Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder is the Batman and Robin. It's the it's the kitschy, over the top, ridiculous one. And I I have to remind people that Joel Schumacher was given an edict that Batman and Robin is going to sell toys. And that movie was made to sell toys. It wasn't made to tell a Batman story. And so you filter that and maybe it's not as bad as Love and Thunder because Love and Thunder doesn't even have that excuse. See, I didn't hate Love and Thunder. I actually got to watch it. I, I wasn't feeling particularly well this weekend, um, but I didn't get to go watch it. And the, I, so it's easy to forget with the success. And, and if you're getting flashing, that's actually me here. That's not our system. Uh, I've got a light bulb that apparently has decided it wants to die really bad. Um, but uh, um, the Thor movies are all over the place. You know, for all for all those the if you look at especially if you look at Marvel's early days, we can come to Marvel's early days and loop back around to the subject. Um, a lot of the early films in this gigantic juggernaut that is the Marvel franchise um, were just sort of okay. The first Thor movie wasn't bad; it was just sort of okay. Right. And then Dark World was not so much. <clears throat> you. You really got Thor hitting its stride for a lot of people in the third movie, mm-hmm. and then I love and love and thunder was fine, but I think love and thunder, love and thunder for me, suffers from two problems, two primary problems, just two. Well, yeah, to some degree, uh, it is just two because uh-huh. you have there's two different tones in the film yes. that are not incompatible but we're missing maybe five minutes of story to make those two tones fit better because there's a scene missing where thor talks about and i guess spoil uh, potential spoilers for a movie i'm going to be really light on this where thor talks about how he acts versus how he's really feeling there's a scene missing where that's happening because that scene would reconcile his behavior through part of the film with his behavior in the rest of the film mm, because you're being there's generous. a certain and so that's there's that and the other problem is is that folks if you give a director known for making silly movies free reign don't be surprised when he makes a silly movie well, the thing about it is, though, you've got two different movies fighting for attention. There, you—it's like it's the same same problem you had with Green Lantern. And I felt like uh, Wednesday night when we came out of there, I felt like I'd watch Green Lantern again. Oh, because I, thought, I enjoyed it so much more than Green Lantern. The tone whiplash mm-hmm. was just unbearable. I I I came out of that movie feeling angry because. Mm. Taika Waititi insulted me so much and wasted two hours of my time. I mean, Christian Bale does great, but I, I, didn't, but they, I didn't feel that. <laughs> the the um when I when I talked to the PR people, I said it felt like they dropped the Three Stooges in the middle of a Greek tragedy because you have Thor, Valkyrie, and and Jane Foster. They're the Three Stooges, and they're all Larry Fine. 
None of them are the smart ones, and none of them are the goofy ones. They're the ones caught in the middle, and they don't know what to do with themselves. Oh, see, no, I didn't have that kind of reaction at all. I, said yeah, it, I did I not did, enjoy it at all. And maybe it's because maybe it's because the Thor movies have never particularly impressed me in, overall. I mean, <clears throat> I liked Ragnarok, but a large part of why I liked Ragnarok was the bad guy. Yeah. And a large part of why I enjoyed Love and Thunder was, again, the bad guy. Um, and so, I mean, you know, the, I don't, I honestly don't think Marvel has ever actually known what to do with Thor as a solo project. Because you see the things that actually the, in the, in the places where Thor works the best, Thor is part of an ensemble cast. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because it's, there's so much that goes into the Asgardian history and lore and the world building right that it can kind of overwhelm your story and so unless you're i mean honestly if you want to do an asgard series that's something that you'd have, you'd have to worry about your budget obviously but because there's so much there and so, but Thor, Thor as a character outside of Asgard and outside of the big cosmic stories, where he's part of the cast of the Avengers movie, or, or even even if you look at something like um, uh, Ragnarok, you know, he's still part of an ensemble cast, really. Right. Um, so it's just one of those things where you know, and, and hey. Well, and and you go back. You mentioned you mentioned Iron Man. You go back to Robert Downey Jr. and that's another example of those of those casting decisions oh, sure. where he said they're going to wait. You're going to you're going to put who in that role? Yeah, because there was a lot of talk about you know Tom Cruise almost had it, but uh, in in retrospect, I don't know that you could have anybody else play that character other than Downey. But sure. at and, the beginning, though, you had a lot of people looking sideways at that decision, thinking, are you sure you want to do that? Oh, yeah, because he was an incredible insurance risk, if nothing else. It's really easy to forget how much Robert Downey Jr. had derailed his career mm -hmm. through uh, substance abuse, through through bad choices, through just being difficult to work with. I mean, he, you know, he was part of that group of actors who was just really, you know, just like these, this, these are guys of the future of the industry. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and really went off the rails. A lot of them did. And um, we've gone to a white screen and a circle on my YouTube of my our YouTube. show. So I'm not sure what's happening here. I, I'm, I'm still seeing it, but uh, I, w I will upload the backup copy uh, a little bit later on when we get, when right. we get done. So just but yeah, I mean, so sure he, people were like, I mean, there's, there were good reasons to doubt casting Robert Downey Jr. It wasn't a question of fan expectations in that case. It was a question of, um, is your goal to sabotage the Marvel Universe before it happens? <laughs> right. I mean, there's there was a certain amount of legitimate fear, and, and quite frankly, given Downey's track record, this was a legitimate concern. This is not this is not you know an unfair question to raise when it comes to that. And the fact is, the man got his life back together, and he has done pretty well 
in the years since he was cast as Tony Stark. Yes, he has. Aside from, you know, the Dr. Doolittle movie. Yeah, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> Only Rex Harris had ever made a Dr. Doolittle movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, okay, there's there's one. I mean, that's not genre, but Rex Harrison and My Fair Lady. Sure it is. It's fantasy. No, I mean, I mean, My Fair Lady. Oh, that too. My Fair Lady is not is not genre, but Rex Harrison. A lot of people have have said he's he was horribly miscast, at least initially, because he can't sing. <laughs> you know, like, well, it worked That's out okay. Yeah, although I will I will have to say that Peter O'Toole playing that part in Pygmalion, I got to see a a, a performance of that um, back in the days when A and E would often broadcast recorded theatrical right, productions. Right. And um, Rex Harrison can do condescending sarcasm extremely well. There's no question, but you cannot touch Peter O'Toole for acid wit you just can't he is like i mean you know um he was you bow down before the altar of peter o'toole's you know acid wit he's just too and this is this is back in the days uh when you know he was probably completely drunk off his gourd um but he was just i mean just brilliant in that thing and of course pygmalion is the darker version people forget how if you've ever, if you've never, if you've never seen Pygmalion or read the actual uh, Shaw play, um, and you've just seen My Fair Lady, you saw the brighter, shinier version yeah. of that story. Yeah. So, have you? Speaking of speaking of darker, have have you mentioned Christopher Walken while I was while I stepped? I away? have not. So the, the the genesis of this of this of this particular story show idea was that Christopher Walken has been cast as the emperor in the second part of the Dune adaptation by Villeneuve. And if you are familiar with the other adaptations of Dune or have just read the books, um, he may not necessarily be your first thought when thinking of the Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV, who is, you know, ruler of the known universe. And you get your and suddenly all you're getting is more cowbell yeah. and it doesn't it, <laughs> i got a fever and yet and yet we know so much so many people know people like christopher walken from that kind of stuff from the places where he's playing the more exaggerated characters or he's playing a, a version of himself for comedic purposes yeah and you forget the man has had a decades long career doing drama doing um you know singing and dancing on film um he's he's a stunning actor and when walken plays down you know he he, he when he plays big of course he's big um and of course he's got that wonderful speech pattern which has become so iconic and so easily mocked but when you watch him in a lot of the films that he's best known for it's not actually as noticeable it's like right. shatner right you you watch William Shatner and you're going, he doesn't actually pause that much, um, he, you know. So walking is kind of the same way. So I'm actually the man has presence every time he's on camera, and in the darker roles and the more serious roles, um, 
you know, he's captivating. So I am, I am personally at this moment, 100% on board. We'll see how it goes. I can't see yeah. Villeneuve sitting there and going, go big. Yeah. Well, I don't I'm, see that happening. I'm intrigued by the decision and, and, and it just pops into my head. Have, 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 has Christopher Walken ever shared a screen with Rutger Hauer? Have they ever done a project together? I don't believe so. Because you remember, you know, for the longest time, everybody was talking about Pacino and De Niro, and they never did anything together until they did something. You know, they did, I think mm. it was Heat, I think it was what it was called. Mm. They right, yeah. It was finally a thing. I mean, it was this big event that Pacino and De Niro were in a movie together. I wonder if you'd get that kind of synergy with Christopher Walken and Rutger Hauer. Um, you know, especially in the early days of their careers where both of them were just really, really super intense breakthrough talents. Yeah. Um, I think they would have been just, personality-wise, I have no idea. But in terms of just their dynamic on screen, yeah. I think that could be just uh, amazing to watch. So, um, Sci-Fi Snob is asking for examples uh, that would that would demonstrate Christopher Walken would be a, a good choice for the Emperor. So, well, right off the top of your head, there's a couple things I think to, to think uh, in terms of whether or not someone can play a part. And first of all, whether or not they have played that part, kind of part before, is actually not that important to me um, because. The surprise factor, you look at, again, you look at something like Michael Keaton, you look at someone like... Uh, uh, and for the record, uh, Rutger Hauer is not in Dune. It's Christopher Walker right. in Dune. No, I just I'm mentioned searching. Rutger Hauer because they're, they're, of a, they're of that age at the same right. time. You know, you had... Because you, Rutger Hauer, of course, Blade Runner and Lady Hawk, and, mm. and they've both appeared in Batman movies, but not together. Um, so if you... If you Films, if you're looking at films that make me think I'm really interested to see what he's going to be do, yes, unfortunately, Rutger Hauer yeah. is dead. Um, that he could be good as, as an emperor, or, or certainly as the emperor of the known universe in the context of Dune, because remember, spoiler alert for a novel that's decades old and other adaptations, the emperor is in on the Harkonnen plan. He's not one of the good guys, right? So I mean, some of these some of these things are like some of the obvious ones. Like, go watch Deer Hunter again. And just the intensity of the character in there, and just imagine that person being afraid for his rule in a universe where assassination and toppling empires is a thing. Um, you look at or at close range. Some of the ones where he's he's had these like really intense. Uh, darker performances um and also look at some some of the obvious ones quite frankly um i i could almost see a little bit of max shrek from batman returns in there because there's a certain amount of the emperor being super canny and super manipulative well and I can see that sort of. I mean, obviously, not playing the part this exactly the same way, but there's a there's a knowing humor to that character in Batman Returns 
that I could see playing in in a darker sense. Um, in 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 Dune. Um, did you see him in Peter Pan live? I did not. He played Captain Hook. I I didn't see that either. I wonder how I wonder how he approached that part. But honestly, the one that really really excites me and and makes me probably really want to see what he does with this is the prophecy films, especially the first one. The prophecy. If you're not familiar with the prophecy series, um, how to do the apocalypse on a budget, I guess is <laughs> is uh, the best way to describe it. But Christopher Walken is the bad guy. Uh, and he's supposed to be the good. He's one of the good guys, but his his definition of of solving the clash between heaven and hell is a touch on the extreme, shall we say? Mm. Um, plays the angel angel Gabriel, and uh, for all the exaggeration and and playing things up, he's uh, uh, he's, he's really pretty amazing in that part. Um, and I mean, again, the films are erratic in terms of uh, in terms of their quality. I would imagine are, that they, some of the they don't fault for ambition. Yeah, I would imagine that some of the some of the choices that he's made over the years might be along the lines of uh, maybe what Nicolas Cage has done. You know, I've got bills to pay, and and this looks like fun. Why not? Let's go ahead and just do this right. thing. So, you know, he's, he's not... I, Walken's never struck me as being that career-focused, it must be a oh. certain type of role. He's, he's just a working actor. He's like Michael Caine. Well, yeah, and, and, and we, it's easy to forget that Walker... Walken... Walker. Walken is a very prolific stage actor. The film career is not his only gig. Yeah. He does just fine. And of course on stage, he's played an incredibly wide range of performances. He can do comedy. He can do uh, dance. He can do, uh, he's a singer. I mean, he's got a really wide range. We're, we know him from those big iconic roles. Um, and by the way, if you haven't seen the prophecy, the first film has uh, Elias Coteus, uh, Virginia Madsen, Eric Stoltz, Amanda Plummer, and Viggo Mortensen as the devil himself. <laughs> this was pre, of course, uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, but uh, so he's, uh, if, you're, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan and you're like, is, is this, a, is this a, a noble and, and terrifying Lucifer? Well, one of those words is right. It ain't the noble one. Um, <laughs> he's... Uh, but yeah, it, I know he's he's really got a, uh, a incredibly wide and varied career. And if you go look at at Watkins IMDb, you're like, does the man sleep? Right. I mean, I, I'm just looking through all this stuff. And, like, and and um, a lot of these are, you know, pretty active physical roles. I mean, it's not oh, yeah. just hey, let's just stand around and sit behind a desk all the time. So. Oh yeah, I mean again, if you. There were there are people who again we get so used to an expectation of who the somebody is by the kind of role that that we know them from. Um, was it Fat Boy Slim where he did the the dance video? I think so. Walken, yeah. yeah, and and he comes out and everyone's like Christopher Walken can dance. Christopher <laughs> Walken's like yes for like forty Forever. years now. <laughs> well, and he's in the 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 show. Uh, I think it's over on Apple Severance. Mm-hmm. 
uh, he's in that, and I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, he's in, he's in all the episodes. So um, I've, I, I've heard so much good about Severance, and it's a show I have not watched it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I've had a lot of people really praising that for, for its story as well as its performances, which is always something nice to see. So, yep. um, yeah, I, so I think that there's, you know, a, I'm, I'm not concerned about. Christopher Walken playing the emperor. I didn't, I don't, and I generally don't have this reaction when somebody casts, you know, an unexpected person. Um, because, and I think, I think maybe it's because we're old enough to remember we, we lived through the Michael Keaton thing. Yeah. You know, and I think that, uh, um, well, not just the Michael Keaton thing, but also the Heath Ledger thing. Oh yeah! Wait, Heath Ledger's oh, yeah. gonna play. Heath in, Ledger in, is the Joker. Yeah, out of your mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and I get it. I mean, there's a certain amount of there's. Look, look. We, when we're reading the comic or the novel or listening to the podcast or, or whatever the the origin of the character that you think is really great and you know the, it's getting an adaptation in film or television, it's very natural. For the image you've got in your head, which, by the way, is unique to you. Yeah. You and you alone. It is the image that only lives in your head. Even if it's on the comic book page where the artist has given you uh, an example, because different artists draw the same character over and over and over again. We all have this sort of composite image that we carry around in our skull yeah. of what I... Batman looks like, what the Joker looks like, what Superman looks like. I mean, there's the, there's the... There's the outline, right? That it's, you know, Batman's got the pointy ears and the mask on his, you know, and, and, and the symbol on his chest and the cape. And, uh, you know, Superman's got the S and you, you, the basics don't change, but mm -hmm. the individual image that you've built yeah. is unique to you. So the fact that we uh, sit there and go, I just don't see James Bond with blonde hair. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which again, was a thing people were like up in arms that we were going to get a blonde bond and it wasn't even like super blonde i mean daniel craig is lighter brown hair folks he's not like blonde blonde yeah um well so, I, I mean it's it's light enough and he's and he's shorter and chunkier and and it's you know not not and, from a sense of fat but you know he's he's more right, muscular he's, he's, he's stockier he's, he's stockier he's, than a lot of the other characters but, yeah. but at the same time they did what they what they with that series what they tried to do with Timothy Dalton which was rooted in a almost real world yeah and it's the bond movie so there's a given value for real world but less and, gadgets than what you had with more Right, and I think that I, I think there's been this interesting reappraisal for a lot of folks looking back at the two Dalton films. Um, not necessarily that they're great movies because they have they definitely have their flaws, but the fact that you can see what they tried to do and it didn't quite work. Mm -hmm. And part of that I think was timing. I think it was too early for yeah. the audiences because when when Daniel Craig does it later, it becomes this you know it's people are like. Oh, I get it. Great. This is fantastic. And yet, unfortunately, you saw the same creep with the Craig movies that you saw with everybody else. It's like we've made two films that are that are really dramatic and serious. And now let's would you like an exploding mint? I mean, it's, oh, it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, MS has a question. Has, has any actor ever cast as Batman ever screamed out, nailed that casting? Um, 
I, I, if I understand the question, um, the the actors that were cast as Batman that the fans sat there and went, you want to do what with the character? And and turns out are is is really well, just right there. I mean, Keaton Keaton pretty the, much got close. Or that's or maybe that's the flip side of that question because I could be read the other way around. Is that anybody you saw you saw that actor being cast as Batman? You're going, oh yeah, definitely. And interestingly enough, mm. I think for a lot of people, Val Kilmer probably was pretty close to that because he has, you know, he looks yeah. like what you would expect Bruce Wayne to look like. See, and I, and I didn't have a problem. I didn't have a problem with Clooney. I had a problem with the story that Clooney was oh, put in. Yeah. But I thought Clooney was fine as as at least as Bruce Wayne. I think he was a little too. Well, the suit—he was not helped by the no, suit. No, he wasn't helped by the suit. But I, I, I thought, I thought his Batman was a little. He didn't. He didn't seem like he was comfortable as Batman as much as he was as Bruce Wayne. He was no, like, yeah, no. and, 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 and that frankly, could be the suit, especially then. Yeah, the suits are yeah. just miserably uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, Death Angel Shadow mentions Nick Fury. That's a that's kind of a unique thing. Because sure. Nick Fury Jr., and that's who this is, the Black Nick Fury is the Marvel is is the the ultimate Marvel Universe Nick Fury is the second Nick Fury, and in in canon in the in the comics he's the son of the original Nick Fury, who was played by David Hasselhoff, and. Nick Fury Jr. was modeled after Samuel L. Jackson because Samuel L. Jackson had done, you know, the prequels, you know, Mace Windu, and and he'd done, you know, Pulp Fiction. I don't, I don't remember the timing of all of this, but Shaft and you know all of all of that's in there. And so, uh, you know, if we're gonna make Nick Fury black, well, who's who's who do we who do we do who do we model him after? And and Samuel L. Jackson became the the pattern to follow. And, then, and Samuel Jackson, by the way, was just tickled as a oh, comic yeah. book fan. He was like, he was like, okay, that's great. Yeah, it was uh, so cool. And, this, and then, of course, you know what goes around comes around. It kind of comes full circle in in that he actually gets cast in that part. But he's the second Nick Fury. Well, especially considering that the Ultimate Universe, which the vast majority, by the way, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is based on the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, with some with some distinct differences. Um, you would not have gotten the popularity of Wandavision if you had followed on from the Ultimate versions of the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Um, it, it would not have been the same. It would have been a very different show. It would have not have been something you would want want the kids to watch. Right. And uh, yeah, so. Um, but yeah, so so when the Ultimate Universe sort of just well, when the writers behind the Ultimate Universe decided to burn it all to the ground, um, Nick Fury Jr. Uh, Nick Fury that Nick Fury moved over into the main mar mainstream Marvel Universe, yeah. uh, and then became Nick Fury Jr. Because if you're going to bring him in, you have to explain him. Um, and but yes, in, in in strictly speaking, if you want to get your head cannon in there, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Is his dad, and just wrap your wrap you know your brain around that. That. Is, that is such a missed opportunity for the MCU, because 
in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Star-Lord is sitting there saying, you know, I pretended that David Hasselhoff was my dad and all this stuff. And I thought, Nick Fury, Nick Fury, Nick Fury, you got to do it. You got to do it. And they didn't. There's another example. I mean, um, in terms of two things, partially because casting uh, Chris Pratt as that character was uh, for some people going the office guy. Seriously? Yeah. Again, there's there's this interesting thing that people tend to forget. And I don't know. I don't know because they keep forgetting it. Right. This is a thing that people just seem to forget, even though there's a there's evidence to the contrary. He's a comedian. He can't do drama. Well, she's, not only that, but funny. but you but she you look at him. Horror. You look at Chris Pratt in the office. He's kind of a schlub. He's not in shape. Oh, sure, sure. And I think when people sat there and and when he when you know he gets in shape and now he's buff and he's the action hero now and he's showing up in all of the stuff. You know the the what's the what's the one that he's got out on the, uh, the military shows. Yeah, right that now. one and and Guardians and Jurassic Park and now he's sure. this, he's this big action hero. You're like Chris Pratt, really? Right. Yeah, yeah. I know. But at the and same yes, Michael time, Knight you, they, is people, Nick Fury's dad. <laughs> that's right. So people tend to forget. You know, Robin Williams terrified people when he when he would play his his psychological horror characters he never did straight out horror no but you know he and and the thing is we've talked we've talked about on this show horror and comedy have have the same beats so the the transition for a lot of very very funny actors into darker stories is something that um we've seen again and again and again the reminder folks that just because an actor gets known for playing a certain kind of role coming back to christopher walken that's not the roles that they only roles they play. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, the the big thing that made them famous. I mean, how many Michael Keaton films ended up being serious post Batman? Yeah, we're getting a corrected. We're getting corrected. He was in Parks. Uh, Pratt was in Parks and Recreation, not The Office. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I didn't see either are, one of them. So, you know, but we never actually saw. We've never actually seen the Marvel comic Star Lord on screen. Because prior to that movie, the Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics is a very different team. Now, once the, that's an example of the movies influencing the comics significantly mm-hmm. because the post that first movie, the well, there have been multiple lineups on that team got a redesign. There, there have been multiple lineups in the Guardians. Oh, sure, but Star Lord, Star Lord as a character in the comics. Uh, up until that film has always, always been so much more of a straight-laced superhero space cop kind of Green character. Lantern type. He's never been anywhere remotely as lighthearted and, dare I say, silly mm-hmm. as as the film version. So it's a it's if you, but the comics have very much leaned into that because, quite frankly. Um, the last time the Guardians of the Galaxy was a best-selling comic series was the 1970s, early 80s, maybe. So it's not. It was a pretty. It was a. It was a comic pretty wide open to getting completely fresh face revamping. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh, yeah. So the thing is, is that. But, but but again, we get used to recognizing those actors as those parts as opposed to those actors being somebody who's playing those parts yeah and 
And so it's really easy for fans to sit there and say, you've got to be kidding me. Well, uh, Tim Allen as Santa Claus. Oh, sure. Or Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. Wait, well, what? <laughs> Snake Plissken as Santa Claus? Well, and I think some of that, well, even even flip that around. Snake Plissken or The Thing? Isn't that the computer who wore tennis shoes? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, <laughs> Kurt Russell got his career was, you know, a completely different kind of movie than a lot of genre fans know him for. Their parents knew him as a different kind of character. Yeah, he was a Disney kid. Yeah, and so you look at, you know, the the idea that that these this Disney actor would go off and make a bearded, cynical, just bundle of, of controlled anger, barely controlled anger, in a horror movie about a shape-shifting monster that, you know, what? <laughs> I mean, talk about whiplash. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, um, mentioned Tom Cruise potentially playing Tony Stark. The vampire Lestat is... is uh, you know, interview the vampire. Everybody, I was one of them. I, I sat there because I'd read the books. This was. It's easy to forget how big Anne Rice was. She yeah, was those books huge were... for a decade. Yeah, I mean, she, you look at Stephanie Myers and and the, the all the vampire stuff. All before that, you had Anne Rice, and she was simply, um, a, her her books were just a juggernaut. And the idea of casting Tom Cruise, and again, this comes back to people looking at Tom Cruise. He plays action roles. He plays, you know, he, he plays the kind of dumb comedy role where he's not that bright. Um, or, or he plays, you know, a sort of a, a cynical character. You know, he's got, you, you could see, you could already see that Tom Cruise had, had range. Mm -hmm. His big yeah. iconic roles were the films like, you know, Top Gun or Fast Times at Ridgemont High or... No, Risky you know, Business. Things. He wasn't in Fast Times, was he? Risky what, Business. The, what, risky Business, thank you, yep. thank you. I'm flipping around my... Um, you know, so the idea of him playing this, like, brooding, sexy, you know, vampire, and that was kind of the thing, is that, like, okay, Tom Cruise is good looking at all. But can he pull off sexy? And there, and, and <laughs> Anne Rice, of course, the person who. And of course, we talk about this a lot too. Where we talk about, we've seen it now with like Neil Gaiman talking about his cat, his decisions in casting Sandman. People going, well, that's not how I see it. Him going, well, I created it. That's how I see it. So, watch the thing and make up your mind then. Yeah. Anne Rice was like, oh no, this is a terrible idea. I hate this. I hate this with the power of a thousand burning suns, flames, flames on this. And she watched the film and went, I would like to state that I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom Cruise is honestly one of the best things in that film. Um, I personally... Well, Brad Pitt has the problem is that Brad Pitt is carrying, playing possibly my least favorite character in the, in the entire series of vampire books, especially in an Interview with a Vampire. Right. Because Lewis in, inter in Interview with a Vampire is, oh, woe is me. I have to live through eternity, bearing the weight <laughs> of my vampiric nature. 
oh, whatever. I mean, it's just like, shut up, Lewis. You're whining. You're just whining. And, you know, he's much better in the later books. In, uh, but, yeah. yeah, he's he's pretty. And Brad Pitt does a fine job of playing the angsty Lewis. I'm just like, oh, shut up. Well, to be fair, if if I found myself faced with living forever, I would probably whine about it myself, too, because who wants to deal with that? Well, it's it, it's an entire genre of immortality fiction. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so, yeah, I mean, this was this is what. Yeah. Then we get a sequel. Yes, folks, there was actually a sequel to Interview with a Vampire. Stuart Townsend took over the role. Uh, from uh, Tom Cruise, and he looks the part. Now he is let down by the fact that the script was garbage, but yeah, yeah. And Aisha's in that movie, and it's it's actually got a really impressive cast who is all horribly misused because again, really terrible, Ter- not a good script. You know, you know who would have been a a a. a- terrible piece of casting Eddie Murphy in Star Trek it almost happened a lot of things Eddie Murphy almost was in Star Trek 2 and Eddie Eddie Murphy was almost in Star Trek 4 Eddie Murphy was on the list of people who when they were considering an American version of Doctor Who during the wilderness years Mm -hmm. Eddie Murphy was on that list so was Bill Cosby so was Michael Jackson think I just don't think the show would have... We would not have gotten the, the 2005 revival of <laughs> Bill Cosby. Right. Had been, an American version of Doctor Who with Bill Cosby. It would just, no, it, just, it would have killed it. I think it would have murdered it for all for everybody. But It, it, would, um, have, yeah. it would have died faster if Michael Jackson had been cast in the part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, there's, there's you, so many... And, know, and again, we look at... You know who would have made a good Doctor? David Bowie. Oh, yeah, and I think that I think the, the some of the greatest missed opportunities, and and not just because people didn't try to do things, it's just because it never worked out. Yeah, um, for a lot of reasons, David Bowie as the Doctor, or David Bowie as a villain in Doctor Who. Well, he could be the he Which, could be the Master too. He could, either one. I oh, think he could pull I mean, up. He'd just be, Christopher Walken yeah, as the I Doctor, mean, Do- David Bowie as the as the Master. Oh, that would be just, that would just be beautiful. Um, Yeah. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We just got, we just got a film where we brought back, you know, some of the iconic actors to play Spider-Man and fans went absolutely nuts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But there actually was a fair amount of concern uh, again, looking at the very first Spider-Man film, for an actor who is known for doing little art house dramas. Um, yeah, and uh, the the idea that you would sit there and cast, you know, uh, the star of the Cider House Rules in a action superhero movie in spandex, and you tended to think that Tobey Maguire is not a particularly big person. And right. he's not. Like a lot of actors, he's just not that big. Um, and yet he's great in the role. 
and he became iconic in that role for three movies however you feel about the third one yeah that's it's oh, almost yeah. it's almost like um if you were to cast oh my my brain just went blank on it um die hard um uh bruce willis no the other one um alan rickman yeah alan rickman if you alan if rickman. you cast alan rickman as superman that's that's how much of a disconnect there is with Tobey Maguire from Cider House Rules and Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man. Right. Right. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. And yet and yet he's he's a beloved for again, we come back to generational things for a generation. He's kind of the beloved Spider-Man. Speaking of, I give you another one that's still it's still hard for me to fathom and i and, and and the only and i have i have a headcanon explanation as to why it's going to work all right harry potter kid which one no the harry potter down. the uh, ratcliffe daniel ratcliffe daniel ratcliffe okay sure as weird al oh I, yeah i am having such a hard time with this Except everything that Al Yankovic has said about this movie tells me that this is going to be such an over-the-top, silly parody of the biographical film. This is not going to actually be the life of Weird Al. This is going As to be what? this is going to be the UHF version of the life of Weird Al. As well, somehow. it should be. Yeah. So I mean, it's like what, Daniel what else would you Radcliffe. I think it's interesting you think, um, you know, you've, but again, we come back to somebody who our expectations are all shaped. And, and for for a series like Harry Potter, where you've got you've watched these actors grow up. Yeah, it's made far worse. Right. Your expectations. It's easy to forget that as soon as that was done, he went off and did Equus on the stage. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which involves a great amount of dark. It's a dark story, folks. And it's also a lot of of nudity as an actor standing on stage in front of people very naked mm -hmm. um and and it's a tough tough play i've seen some really amazing and not great versions of that show yeah um and so he went off and did that that's talk about a palate cleanser all right it's yeah. like wizards equus yeah <laughs> it's like well, so the, Death Angels acting. If I think if if we think it'll work, if if it's if it's what I think they're going to do, then yes, it should work. Um, the talent. Okay, so the talent is there. The yeah. skill sets are there. Whether or not it all comes together. But I think I think this is going to be along the lines of UHF in terms of tone. I don't I don't I think so. it's going to be because 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 Yankovic is saying they're saying. Only Daniel Radcliffe could ever play Weird Al. I was like, really? <laughs> okay, I get what you're doing now. Um, I think the only the only other person that would probably be a stranger but perfect casting for Weird Al would be um, Howard Stern. Um, just for the sheer would just just for the sheer silliness of it. I mean, okay, you know, sure. Just, I mean, just for now, the, just for like, the, the whiplash. But, um, yeah, but yeah, you know, Radcliffe went on and he did, um, you know, he did some some horror films and and some kind of some offbeat. Uh, the lady in, uh, the lady in white. What was the one? Lady in black. Lady in black. Yeah. 
So it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see him as as Weird Al. It's definitely different for him. Oh sure. Um, but but you almost get to the point where you have these actors that have to do something that diametrically opposed to the one. It's like Mark Hamill, for example. Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker, but for an entire generation, Mark Hamill is the Joker. And when well, and when we first found out, wait, that's Who's voicing the, the? Wait, what? You know the well, because, the, and, the surprise and that, that really it was kind of right directed his career because he he was so typecast yeah. as Luke Skywalker that he could not really get anything else. I mean, they would they everybody wanted to play that part. The I would I remember watching Slipstream, um, which is a lesser science fiction film. Kind Interesting idea, movie. iffy iffy execution. Probably in the mid '80s, late '80s, mm-hmm. um, where he was not the good guy, right? And he had a beard. He had a beard, and people. I think there was there was a certain amount of, well, this just doesn't work because it's it's Luke Skywalker, even with the beard, we can tell. Yeah, it's like yeah, but I mean, and this is actors don't look. Act most actors don't want to be typecast, right? Well, look so, at the look at the Star Trek cast, the original the original series Star Trek cast. I mean, DeForest Kelly was Doctor McCoy after that, and he pretty much resigned himself to the fact that he was never going to play any other part after after Star right. Trek. He was done. And you know, Jimmy Doohan had some stuff, and you know, Takei went off and did his politics stuff, and he did he did some things, but really nobody else. Walter Koenig didn't have anything really for his career until he got into Babylon Five, right. And people all of a sudden went, oh, wait, you know, so it's it's that that kind of thing, you know, the the typecasting really can hurt. So -hmm. you have to find something that's so different. Um, Well, I think that the the, we're looking at the the landscape now with the the blurring between film and television in terms of actors crossing back and forth, the explosion of audio dramas where we have a lot of people who are doing voice work, certainly the video game industry, uh, where people are doing voice work. But the audio dramas has really expanded. Yeah. I listened to I listened to a British uh, a show just over the weekend, uh, eight episodes. So I just basically binged it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, who are these actors?" And it was like some of the stars of Bridgerton are in this show, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay. I mean, you know, there's this the, these big name folks who are making like waves. The the the, the male star, and I can't remember his name, Renee something, um, from Bridgerton is one of the voice actors on this on this radio drama. Yeah, and it's like he's playing a completely different character. No, well, who's like so radically different. Yeah, Death Angels mentions T.J. Hooker and Denny Crane and and T.J. Laser. T.J. Hooker, I have always felt T.J. Hooker is Jim Kirk on Earth. Jim Kirk as a cop. Now, Danny Crane, Danny Crane is an example of him going, I don't actually care. Let me have a good time. Yeah. And, and I and think Danny that, that Crane, and, and James Spader in the same is in, in, in that same role in that in that show, because yeah. James Spader was a sex symbol. True. Uh, uh, sex lies and videotape. Sex lies and videotape. People were like, oh, my. Well, and then he shows James up in with and, your long flowing locks. Wasn't he also in Secretary with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yeah. And then he's in Stargate, and 
wait, is this James Spader? Is this the same guy? You know, of course, Kurt I mean, Russell shows up in that one. Well, and I think that something that came out of um, James Spader was less concerned about maintaining that younger man's physique. Yeah. Um, and and then you get into uh, the blacklist. Now he's you know you got this character that he's been playing for what eight six. I don't. I at don't. At least know. five six years now. Yeah. Um, probably more. Um, where he's this sort of, you know, master criminal manipulator, and he's so good in that role. I, I, I watched, I think, the first four seasons of that really, you know, it was one of, one, one of those shows to catch and just got behind because there's so much out there. Sure. Um, I, I just wanted to swing around. Yes, um, Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love. Folks, I am not an Adam Sandler fan. I'm not. I find his level, I find his his kind of humor to be it's okay it's it's perfectly fine humor if it appeals to you that's great it doesn't necessarily work for me because it's all it is right i mean i could handle it in small doses and small doses i like it but that's been a career and that's fine yeah. he built a career on it but he is so very good in punch drunk love and i hear he's good in the uncut gems is that the yeah movie he did recently i haven't seen that one i haven't either but um, i've heard good things about it but i've heard really good things about it and, well, but and he is that so one that good he's in, in Club. the one that he was in with um with drew barrymore where she keeps losing her memory you know and he has uh, that's to, yeah, 50 what 50 first days something like that yeah uh, yeah that, that's actually that's actually um one of the better one of the films i i like him more in but yes i i know i know sci-fi snob but again i worked at a movie theater <laughs> when Sex Lies and Videotapes came out. Yeah. And I have news. Well, <laughs> they, yes, people were like, oh my goodness. Denny Crane, to me, feels like Bill Shatner is leaning into Bill Shatner's reputation. Oh, sure. And he's like, okay, oh, sure. fine. I'll play it like that and I'll play it even bigger. And that's, you know, cause that's how everybody sees me anyway. Let's just use it. And, and Denny Crane, I, when I first saw him, I was like, that's what everybody says. Shatner's really like, <laughs> you know? like but right. that, that's not, and I think that, that that's, but I think there's, there's a certain amount of reinvention that every actor goes through just because of the nature of their career, they want to play a different kind of role. Yeah. Um, and so, especially with something like the Marvel universe, you know, as, as successful as, as it has been, it's become this thing where if you're, a, if you're an actor who's known for something else, you know, you've got these, a lot of these different cameos that have shown up in the, in the movies that are, you know, actors you wouldn't necessarily expect. You would not necessarily expect to get Glenn Close. Right. In a Marvel movie. Or or Robert Redford of Robert Redford. Well, I was about to go to Robert Redford because he's got a much Redford. bigger part. Yeah. Um, and of course, Robert Redford is, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, the bad guy. Um, yeah, I, mean, I know it's a shock. This is but, the Sundance um, Kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the Sundance yeah, Kid. I mean, it, it was like, wait, right. Redford. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think that's something um, where it's and it, it there's a certain amount of fun in the Marvel universe stories that that. The, at least the perception is that there's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's a job. It's work. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
clearly we we see the behind the scenes stuff where everyone's laughing and having a good time but you and i have worked on film sets yes. you and i know some days are not laughter and fun some days are a slog from hell um but some days here uh, are a slog <laughs> from hell. <laughs> there's that too but I mean, so but the perception, you know, it looks like a good time and these actors getting a chance sometimes to play against type. Yeah. Um, and sometimes to play an exaggerated version of themselves or something. So I think that's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, the Marvel, although I think Marvel's one of Marvel's biggest biggest weaknesses um, is that they don't necessarily actually have great bad guys. They have great bad guy characters who doesn't necessarily always use well i think that's always been a weakness of the marvel universe is that uh, for 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 some of the confusing some of some of the for some of the um questions i think a lot of people have about phase four i've actually liked more of the villains of phase four than some of the earlier villains just for being more interesting bad guys anyway that's yeah. a topic for another day um well, yes, I, I you know what? I, I set out today and my goal was to ruin everything for everyone. And, 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 and you if, do. If I've succeeded in that, in, in ruining something for you just a little bit, I can sleep easy. The stories I could tell. I, I... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, On that I'm... note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why, don't, why don't we head out? Uh, folks, you can join us on all the different social medias if you want to connect with us in various different places. There's Matooine showing up right there at the end of the show. Uh, we're done, but you can watch replay. Now, uh, given, given the technical issues that we've had, those of you who are with us live, uh, what I'm going to end up doing is yeah, I'm going to go back and I'm going to double check uh, and it is a possibility that I'm going to have to upload the backup recording. So the live one might come down. Uh, I might leave it up, but the, the, there may be an upload of this show that's separate from the live stream. So just to let you know, now over on Odyssey, we can swap them out. We can't swap them in on YouTube. So right. we'll have to take a look and just double check and see if there's if the buffering and the and the stuttering that was on the live broadcast is still there on the playback. Then I may swap them out. So just to let you know, uh, those of you who are going into it. So uh, on that note, before we go in the comments below, that's your place to drop in um, who you think who you saw that you're like, I can't believe you guys cast so and so as such and such. That's the place for you to tell us the, the ones that, you know, you uh you that that's what happened to you you're sitting there going i that's not who should be cast in this and you felt you were wrong yes or felt that you were right for that matter yes yes leave us a comment send us an email h2o at sci-fi for me.com and uh we do have we do have ideas for topics here in the next couple of uh a uh, couple of weeks um one involves nicholas cage that's all i'm going to say uh, but we have that to, to look forward to. But if you have topics that you'd like to suggest for us to discuss, send that to us. Either leave a comment or, right. or send us an email. Join us on social media. Uh, we're on way too many of them. Of course, there's the PayPal and the Subscribestar accounts. And uh, I will get a newsletter out one of these days, honest and for true. I promise. I really will. Um, so, until then, I could say the balcony is closed, but that's not our, that's not our thing. So, although I would not be, it would be cool if we actually had, you know, a good theater set. It'd be all right. Yeah, can't right. Yeah. Cast 
Well, you know, we were gonna cast. So Mindy I, was the original host for this show, and it was really strange considering <laughs> that we didn't even know Mindy I when know, we started right? this show. But anyway, <laughs> we, she hurt herself on the see, way to one the first of these days. And, <laughs> one of these days, we should recast our roles and see what happens. Um, considering you and I have faces for radio, no. you know the show would be much more popular. It could be. It could be. I don't know. Uh, speaking of which, we're at 2,085 subscribers on YouTube. We want to try to get up to 2,100. So if you share this show, if you share the links to our channel, make sure you use the hashtag sci for me tv so we can see it. So, all right. On that note, we're going to head out. Thanks very much for all of you in the chat. Good active discussion tonight. And, of course, yeah, thanks, we guys. will do this all again next week. Um, live from the bunker all week. Ranker Pit tomorrow night. Good morning, Multiverse. And Foreign Bodies on Saturday. Busy week this week. So stay with us. And uh, that's going to do it for us. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2022, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.